This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, we're here as custodians of the Spirit Club and we'll do everything possible to uh, bring back the club to where it deserves. Yeah, change uh, is, uh, is what got us here, so uh, and we're, we're beneficiaries of that to a certain extent. But, uh, you know, we think that uh, nothing happens overnight. Um, those are my experience with the Bucks. I think it'll be consistent with what it is here. Um, we have very lofty goals for you know, the club and the organization and the fans, and we just want to be, you know, the best partners possible for that. We want to see Aston Villa restored to, you know, the highest levels of English football and to do everything in our power to, to be good uh, stewards of that. And uh, we're, uh, we're there to uh, bring the club back to its original glory. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. As we know now, the last couple of years, the championship's not easy. So we have to meet the challenge head on. Tell the truth as a lot as it goes, you know, to get ready for a rocky time, just batten down the hatches. Big shout out to Sir David Michael, representing Birmingham in 2018. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And you join us on what is finally a momentous day in Villa history after a season of, let's say, a near miss in the end uh, with the playoff final. But it's the first time since 1894 that Aston Villa have lifted the Bass Vars trophy after beating Burton 4-0. 
The first time in over a century, the tide has turned, people. The tide has turned. And to help me celebrate this momentous occasion, Dan Rogers of thevillaunderground.com. Welcome. How does it feel? Winners. Victors. It's the opposite of how I felt on player final day, I must admit. And it's it's no Peace Cup. It's no Cup of Nations. It's no Intertoto Trophy. But my goodness me, the Bass Vase. The Bass Vase. It's bigger than the the playoff final, surely. Well, I think so. I mean, we were playing a bigger team for a start. We would get questions saying, is the playoff final the biggest game in Villa's history? Well, the last time we won the Bass Vase Trophy, 1894, I mean, that... I mean, Gabby was still a youth player then, wasn't he? He was just coming through. It's the third time we've won it. It's actually the third time uh, we've been invited. So uh, it only Mm. only took them over 100 years to invite us again to... uh, (laughs) Play at the Pirelli. I'm sure it wasn't called the Pirelli uh, the last time we uh, played for this uh, <laughs> no, trophy. Uh, any other news? Not not that much, really. No. How many billionaires does it take to save a football club? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> 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 Finally, we're going to find out. This is a question that it's like, how many people does it take to uh, fix a light bulb? It's how many billionaires does it take to save a football club we've got well i mean this is open to interpretation we've got technically we've got three but for somebody who can't couldn't pay tax bills and uh her majesties were knocking on the door maybe we've just got two i don't know what, what do you think what what, do you, what number are you going with i'm gonna go with two <laughs> to be honest i'm not really gonna sit on the fence there <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got two billionaires and one very, very lucky Chinese man at the moment. <laughs> to his credit, Team uh, Rescue Villa have pulled this out of the uh, the yeah. fire. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in the, the process of how the message got through to uh, the two billionaires who have actually got billionaire bank accounts. And first of all, it's Nasef Sor Iris, if that's how you pronounce it, who is the richest Egyptian, although he's a Belgium national, whose wealth is estimated at $6.9 billion, according to uh, Bloomberg's Billionaires Index. I think he made his money, was it in like nitrogen fertilization and mm-hmm. cement firm? They've mm-hmm. got like a holding in Adidas as well. I mean, he's he's got fingers in pies on exec boards of around about 60 different companies. He has a diverse portfolio, I believe. So you might, might turn. Yes, yes, indeed. Fingers in pies is a little bit primitive, I would say, to describe uh, this guy's operations. And then obviously he's teamed up with Wes Edens, who is a private equity investor and you know obviously he has a, a bit of a portfolio but he's kind of better known as being a, a co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks the basketball team because of his ownership of them that kind of has allowed us to have a bit more of an insight into uh, how this is going to pan out because uh, I think he's one of three owners there which is a mm. similar setup uh, at Villa Park and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic's going to play out because uh, I mean obviously the old adage uh, you know too many cooks in the kitchen uh, spoils the broth but the most most important thing at the moment in the first instance is we're suddenly uh, we can pay our bills and debts and we're not on our knees when the tax man comes a, a knocking what's your first impressions out of the blue D- definitely out of the blue and i and i think that you only have to look across local and national media that there wasn't really anything until almost up to the, the announcement that, that appeared out that this was on the cards what i would say is that we were very close again to some trouble, and I think that I think that the amount of the, the stake of the club that 
that Dr. Tony's had to sign over says quite a lot. And I mean, parking all that, it gets us, as you say, through a period where we were all wondering perhaps what was going to be happening with finances and what, what the next pinch point was going to be with that. And it changes the narrative, doesn't it? It, it All of a sudden yeah. we're dreaming again, dare I say. Indeed. I mean, the way we're going to do this show is uh, structure it around. I put out uh, a call for questions for this episode on Instagram. Uh, Instagram stories, highlights, whatever they're called. And actually, we, we've got more, let's say, rational and intelligent questions, and a few funny ones, obviously, than uh, normally when you put such calls out on Facebook and Twitter. So I don't know what that tells you about social media. So instead of going through and talking about these things, we'll let the questions dictate, but the the questions do basically cover up, you know, everything uh, you would have put in a plan for this podcast anyway. So thank you for sending them in uh, when I put a call out on uh, Instagram, uh, my old man said, uh, on the highlight stories. Anyway, how are you? It's uh, it's been a while. Good. I'm I'm disappointed we're not holding the Jules Rimet trophy aloft. Did you did you watch most of the World Cup or? As we progress more, I didn't watch very many of the game, the group games, but I followed England through. And, then, and as it ramped up, I think I won't say fever gripped me because there's <laughs> I think there's a sense of inevitability <laughs> about what might happen. To be honest, but um, I enjoyed it. I have to admit, and I enjoyed the run. Because I, I went into World Cup having not watched England in a friendly for a long time because I'd just given up on the whole thing. Mm. Uh, so you're half curious to reacquaint yourself, actually, yeah, you know, yeah. when they're when they're playing tournament football. But yeah. you know, I was disappointed by so many teams I was looking forward to see, like you know, Colombia, Mexico, Poland, and you know, all those guys. Uh, I think Colombia suffered because James Rodriguez got injured, which obviously mm. helped England out in the end. But yeah, England uh, ignited the tournament. Croatia managed to get to the final without winning any game in 90 minutes during the knockout stages. Remarkable, and France, really. fr- France just, teams do that. Like Portugal, you know, they've massed, I think they won the European Championship with just winning games on penalties. And Argentina, a crap Argentina team, you know, would get to the final yeah. before they met Germany. And you just had a feeling once Croatia, there's always one team that kind of gets to the final just by scraping it. So, and after the group stage, I just thought Croatia are getting to the final here. They're the best team in the draw. Mm-hmm. But they were beatable. Didn't take our chances, I don't think. that was the. We had half an hour in that game. The first half was, that's when we could have taken that. Yeah. And, you know, throughout the tournament, is it nine out of 12 goals were from set pieces? and Ridiculously high, wasn't it? Yeah, when you, when you actually boil it down in terms of chances, I mean, Harry Kane, Ooh. I mean, how, how he won the golden boot without scoring any goals in the big games is uh, or towards the end is it, quite it's quite funny but he didn't actually have that many opportunities uh, in open play no 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 but england very tidy uh, on the ball i thought they worked the ball very well and it, i think a lot of other countries kind of sat up and take notice because normally we don't you know we're pretty let's say neanderthal when it comes to retaining the ball and possession but uh, we had more possession than in most of the games than any of our opponents we played without fear didn't we as well i think yeah it's interesting you make the point about perhaps not following england so closely is that it did make you sit up and realize that to southgate's credit he'd uh He'd sacked off a lot of the players who were either scarred by previous failure or, or he just took a view, do you know what, we're going to bring a crop through in, not dissimilar to the how I would always associate the Germans doing, really. They would yeah. always bring through an under-23 team, wouldn't they, or try to yeah. blood yeah. them. Yeah. So it bodes well for the next crop that's hopefully behind them and I'm looking forward to the Euros, actually, which is, I haven't looked forward to some international football for a long time. But now it's back to the realities of Rotherham, Brentford, Wigan... And Burton Albion. 
Uh, From the World Cup to the Bass Fast Trophy. Just a a few pointers uh, before we kick into those Instagram questions. We've spoken briefly about the investment, but that's obviously well covered in the questions, how it relates to financial fair play. Can we keep Grealish, Chester, etc.? Steve Bruce's situation, still nobody said that he's failed uh, while he's been manager. It's a bit of a strange one. But now with the new investment, there's, there's a shadow obviously being cast. Is it a case of the gallows will be built and they will... Will uh, be looking to get in their own man. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think of this going well, forward? Well, I think that uh, that's the bizarre thing is that there's there's room for all of the stories alongside each other. And it's always a bit weird how certain things don't don't fit the. I don't know, is, is that the is that the local journalism agenda? I don't know. Or is it just fans are very you know we as fans are looking at, at, at the things that are right in front of us. In terms of Bruce. <sighs> I think his position's insecure at the moment. Yeah. Irrelevant of what you think. The reality is I think that if park everything that's happened in the last couple of days with with the new owners or new investors coming in and I think my position would be is dis- despite all the shit and all the crap that happened is we failed to get promotion and we should have got promoted. Wind it back further, I do think he stabilised the club when we were in an absolute, we were all over the place when Di Matteo was at, at yeah. the club, you know, in terms of structure and whatnot. Uh, who's to blame for that? Well, Dr. Tony, really. We'll, we'll talk about this, about this later on because all we know at the moment is we've lost... The football infrastructure in the club, mm. or the alleged football infrastructure in the club that never really materialised, uh, let's nah. be honest. Uh, Steve Round, uh, football director, Steve and Squire. Keith Wyness. We'd seen no evidence as supporters uh, on the pitch. So that's gone, and we've got money men in. Let's just call them mm. money men. So that doesn't mean anything, as we've seen. I mean, no, It's not tangible Aston, yet, is it? No. The first season, Aston Villa, I think, was unprecedented, the amount of money they spent uh, on the squad. So you know, money doesn't necessarily buy you love in football. Uh, this is the part that we don't know. Uh, henceforth, is what this the football kind of structure and makeup is going to be. Because let's not forget, Randy Lerner also brought money to the party, but oh, yeah, yeah. made a fundamental error in there was no continuation of or, or let's say platform for the football side of Villa beyond Martin O'Neill. And once Martin no. O'Neill left, suddenly Julia came in and Julia started to try to do something uh, towards that effect of creating something that could obviously continue, you know, like a, stru- a scouting network and, I don't know, philosophy or, you know, whatever, you, however you want to dress it up. But obviously he got ill and then after that, Learn just realised, you know, this was money down the drain and he's not, he wasn't reckless. He wasn't going to think, well, uh, like a gambler does, Villa did, I mean, essentially last season. Like if they knew that they were challenging FFP, uh, why suddenly? Oh well, let's get Terry in and let's get Snodgrass in and let's let's spunk another hundred grand uh, a week up the. Well, it's you know, different phases of Villa's ownership, isn't it? That I think that for all of that, I mean, I, I I loathed Lerner as much as the next person, but he was he was frighteningly honest with what his his intentions with the club were in terms of you know he, when when he turned the money off, he, he told us and yeah, you know, and it was a very austere time. I think that the frustration under under Dr. Tony was that, you know, there were statements like, well, the, the parachute money's not been touched and don't worry about FFP yeah. because when actually it was chronically worse than that and, and to the point at which yeah. we were not just days away from administration, but we were days away from being wound up. And that's where the Steve Bruce, you know, to have a problem like wondering whether Steve Bruce should be the manager shows the remarkable turnaround in the last couple of days that I think a new ownership, what I, what I hope they don't do is is go gung-ho. I, I don't get the impression that they will looking at the, having had a bit of a read around the um, the Milwaukee yeah. Books um, guy because he seems quite measured. Um, 
and uh, what I just hope we don't do is just make the same old mistakes with just different different names because I think as fans we would we would recognize what that looks like as well quite quickly. Yeah. Other things, I mean we don't really need to talk about the uh the preseason games thus far. We've obviously mentioned one of them. Uh, new kit, are you happy with that or you, d- you don't care? <laughs> I I, um, I have to say I didn't care. I, I I didn't care, but then I also I always worry oh god are we going to end up having a terrible kit. I think the home kit is a very very good villa kit and I know there's there's a it's a bit of a departure from traditionalism. There's a bit of a hint of the early 80s there about it. Well, more than a hint. I, no, I was about to say, I think <laughs> in terms of designing a new kit, I think it's there's an easy way you win this situation, and that's kind of, you play it kind of quite safe and give them what they've seen before. I think the away shirt's safe. I think the that mid-80s, is the Lecoq Sportive Mitre one, is, is a, yeah, yeah. let's say it's a classic. It's a classic, uh, which is, I mean, I liked it. I, I would probably hold my hand up and uh, and say it's like one of my favourite Villa kits. But it because it's not associated with success or hasn't been in the limelight, yeah, the, the, mainstream, the mainstream Villa fan doesn't really know of it. So... And Luke's, you know, similar age, so he would have been a kid around the time uh, of that kit. And I think it's a good choice, and it's a, it's a smart choice. So it's all—it's just a bit about just all the design essentially was was just you know modernizing it with a few flourishes here and there. I think it's smart, and, and I'm I'm. It- <sighs> I have to say, I think that it does look like a kit that was was very much prepped for the Premier League, I have to admit. You know, I think it's quite smart. It's very modern. I mean, I think Premier League Championship, it doesn't matter what league, a a good kit is a good kit. I mean, you'll see some of the best (laughs) kits are like third, fourth division Spanish and Italian kits because, you know, they have a bit more license to go wild there. I I see where you're coming from. I think that, that, I mean, you only have to look at Spurs. I think it's Spurs' kit been released and it's basically one of the top Spanish teams is away kit you know it's just their training yeah. gear or something ridiculous and that's why i'm quite happy we don't have that you know it's, it's quite a bit more yeah. unique the whole template scenario uh, obviously the blues <laughs> fell foul of that where <laughs> their fans will have to pay 45 pound for a kit that if you take away the badge and the sponsor you can pick up for 15 quid the shirts Sports anyway <laughs> you know it's just it's a template that added this use so. that's what you get that's if you're going for these conglomerates that's what you get yeah i mean and of course you're funding our new owner so that's even more amusing yeah and it would have been interesting if these new owners came in last season if we'd have been connected with adidas considering uh you know the link up uh, i mean i don't know that's how true. strong it is or how active it is but obviously it's a vested interest and i'm sure he would prefer that if adidas was uh supplying villa's kit that at least indirectly you'd be making more money out of uh, the villa venture the only sore point about the villa kit just was all this bravado about oh this is for the fans this is for the fans this is for the fans and then i said as soon as they announced the uh, the hookup with fanatics and and luke uh, roper luke 77 the only thing that really uh is for the fans will be the price yep. and i was hoping they would reduce it from last season but they actually put it up to 55 and I didn't make any comment about the kit because I think a kit's, you know, subjective and, you know, I don't buy it anyway. But I just said, yeah, the price, £55, it's for the fans, is it? And uh, I think a few other people weren't happy with it. And I think Villa reacted, saw that on social media, and they actually chopped a fiver off straight away. I mean, they spun it as if they were doing everybody a favour. But I think they were thinking, well, X amount will buy this kit because it's a captive audience whatever mm, the price mm. so let's let's throw another fiver on and uh because we're in the shit so you know let, let's take something out of this and uh but you know fair play that they actually uh saw sense on that one 
My view is that kids have always should have been a loss leader. I don't know why they're not. Yeah, especially for kids, I don't get why they're not just handed out. But, you know, you get a season ticket or something. I just... Anyway, it's one of those, isn't it? It's big business yeah. these days. I don't know if you saw what Watford yes. did, which was a nice away touch. Fans. Yes. Yeah, for any any fan last season that had been to every away game, mm. they sent them a new Watford away kit, uh, which I think a lot of fans, even if they wore it or not, would have been happy with, because you can obviously pass it to family and friends, mm. which was what was said in the letter from Troy Deeney. <laughs> who, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he wrote it himself. Who thanked them for their support and said, "If you're not the type of fan who likes to, uh, you know, wear away kits, because you know, away fans. I mean, I never wear a kit to a game, especially if I'm away, because I want to be able to go into any bar, you know, I want not uh, be, uh, you know, waving a big flag to the police, essentially. And you, you could uh, cut off the options of, I mean, especially if you go to London, for example, you just want to be able to move freely. Uh, anyway, uh, that sometimes gets you into bars that." You certainly can't wait to escape. I've been in a few Chelsea, uh, Chelsea and West Ham bars where you thought, oh, "Fucking hell!" If I if I if they found out who <laughs> I support, <laughs> and I remember having a scarf on once, and that kind of slipped right down my neck, and I had to pretend <laughs> I'd put on a few pounds and just have it <laughs> under under my coat. So I thought that was a good touch to actually reward loyalty in a in like a constructive way. Where, as you yeah, said, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you say it should be a loss leader, but obviously it's big business nowadays, especially once you get to the levels of. Manchester United, Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, where actually in the contracts of like Nike, for example, they are telling you as a club to go and tour America or Asia, basically, so they can sell, you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of shirts. And that's half the reason why uh, clubs go on these US tours, for example. Just before we go into the main show, which is based around your questions via Instagram, uh, I just want to uh, say thank you to all the patrons that have signed up since the last show. Uh, in this world of clickbait, and I mean, I wake up in the morning, sometimes I you know, look on news now and, and I just want to close my computer and go back to bed because it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's just <laughs> really posted recently. What did and, you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I've I hardly post now because you just think this is it's just crap. I mean, one of the reasons for existing is you want to do something that's not happening uh, at the yeah. moment, if you know yeah. what I mean. Because uh, you want to well, make. We've often some... said it just to put that you know something a bit more thoughtful out there. You know, something that's yeah. not clickbait, and someone can actually read the title of it, know what it it might be about, and they have an interest in it. Yeah, and you oh, know, and, and have sh- a and when the reader reads it, they're having a discussion with themselves yeah. because you're throwing a few things up there, and you know, you're throwing opinion and 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 sometimes just ideas that aren't necessarily your own opinion. It's just you know to make the conversation a bit more richer but some of these things where letters are being written crying that Grealish has played his last game against Warsaw and uh, he's off on the Spurs tour and you just think Jesus Christ it's like it hasn't happened yet but it's just so the next story will be oh Grealish isn't going 10 more articles it's just signing expected to happen next week and then next week comes oh Grealish expected to go on deadline day and you just you know, I just wrote one article which covers all bases, has a proper adult discussion about it, and go from there. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that later. So the idea of uh, being supporter funded is so we can actually write and we can actually pr- produce this show, uh, which is a bit of a pain to make, but uh, because we like doing it, and there's nothing really out there that just says it as it is. This show obviously takes uh, 
well, it takes the, the time it takes uh, creating it and also editing and putting it together is uh, a lot of time and if we actually told anybody how much time it takes uh, they would ask the question what the hell are you doing it for we'd be committed but we need something to listen to as well because we can't listen to anything else out there <laughs> we need something that's uh, you know on the level a bit more and independent so please if you are not a patron at the moment and enjoy the show and want it to be more frequent please do become a patron by going to my man said com and uh, a big shout out and thanks for Casper Holtz, Andy Forbes, Alex Skirton, Gaz Thomas, James McQueen, Christopher Freding from Norway, who uh, I have met, and oh, just a message to him actually. He very kindly. Uh, gave me we actually met up before one of the home games uh, towards the end of the season uh, and he gave me a signed shirt from the squad which he had won uh, from Norwegian Unibet to raise money for uh, Operation Drawstring the the homeless charity uh, run by uh, Kerry another Villa fan I never kind of got round to putting it out there and then uh, he, he messaged me and said we're in the playoff final now's a good time get that shirt out uh, you know eBay or whatever and uh, I thought yeah yeah good idea but then I started you know, as Wednesday became Thursday, I was thinking, let's double the quits on this. If we win the playoffs, that shirt's going to fetch a hell of a lot more. It's going to yeah. be a shirt of winners. It's going to be a shirt of promotion, Snodgrass, Terry. And, <laughs> and all the other it, players that <laughs> fade, <laughs> fade into the Aston Villa acid bath. <laughs> no, Grealish, blah, blah, blah. But you would have a shirt of promotion, you know, Aston Villa promotion uh, winners. That's something you can frame and it's going to fetch a good price and obviously help the charity. But then it became basically a metaphor for what happened with Aston Villa, where they kept spending and spending and spending on this gamble of getting promotion. And it was promotion a bust. So promotion and everything's good. And uh, Operation Drawstring makes some good money, uh, useful money on on the shirt. Unfortunately, it went the other way. So uh, don't worry, uh, Christopher, I will uh, send the shirt on and hopefully they can uh, get some kind of prize. Sorry, I digress. Uh, also, big thanks to Richard Lewis, Joseph Tomer, Gary Horgan, Patrick Young, Thomas Dickens and Mark Hazard. And please do join them if you can as a My Man Said patron. As I said, it's myomansaid.com and then just click on the patron option on the menu and there'll be more of a focus on the patrons uh, as we go into the new season. Right. Instagram questions that form the basis of the show. Mike, and I'm reading the the handles of the Instagram because this is how it came uh, up in my notifications. Uh, Mikey Flaherty says, what's your opinion on the new owners? They're very welcome. Yes. Great timing. Very welcome. We had no money. They have money. We had a tax bill looming. <laughs> it's, okay. it's as simple as that. The Friday just gone. Uh, I think we had to pay a tax bill or something, and uh, suddenly we could. I think we still we maybe had to pay a, a payment to Brentford for Scott Hogan and even probably Fulham for Ross McCormack, remember him. So uh, in that res- straight off the bat, it's uh, good news. I mean, what else? Yeah. Uh, in terms of, I mean, there's other questions. Hyde4250 said, let's talk takeover, cash injection. Yeah, there's a, there was a couple of questions, of, well, more than a couple of, about the new owners. Obviously, at this stage, pretty much what everybody's done, uh, bar doing research and speaking to supporters of Milwaukee Bucks in terms of how Wes Edens has uh, performed in the last few years. Uh, I think he bought that in 2014. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe wrong. But starting off with uh, Nasef, I think if we've got three people 
there's three people running this club. I can't see him being super active. I think he's more of a silent partner, wouldn't you uh, say? He has lots and lots and lots of... Uh, it's that wide portfolio that we mentioned at the beginning, really. And what you would wonder is that is someone like him is this this is this this sits as part of that sports bit that he seems to have on the side you know and it's always surprising i guess from from my point of view that you you think about football and you think well is it aside from the top top clubs at the top echelons of the game is it what are the investment opportunities you know for guys like this but they, they perhaps take the the longer view don't they and and i think with a guy like this and you look at his his other his other stuff it's it's a broader sports leisure offer rather than just villa isn't it yeah but i, I mean I, th- I think they're looking at how their ex- you know various elements of their existing portfolio can feed in and obviously yes. take advantage of villa because yeah. essentially what you're talking about when it comes to aston villa they're not they're not looking per se at uh, a team the team's history uh, you know whether it's going to win the fa cup or not they're thinking about well they've got x amount of fans we can sell x amount to them or we can let's say regenerate the area of aston around the stadium and and then obviously lease out restaurants space for restaurants bars etc and obviously scrape money off that and basically build villa into a, a bigger money making exercise if you will i mean the other glaring thing for and this this tells you i think how how can I how can I put this sensitively? I think Doctor Tony's the fact that he's lost control of the club and they've got the and they've if they've paid about what thirty five million, for argument's yeah. sake. That that's they're going to see a return on that investment, aren't they? Surely. And sorry, this this is for a fifty five uh, yeah. percent stake, uh, which uh, has been reported, and we we know the kind of source behind that reporting. They've got to look at that thirty-five million pound investment as something that could reasonably increase with some proper management and with you know the right culture and the right you know Villa's got the the potential. I mean, we've been saying this for yeah. more than a couple of decades now, perhaps as fans, that if we run the right way and if we if we sweat some of our assets <laughs> rather than loan against them, uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, we could go somewhere. Yeah, you just, you know, look around, look at, I used to live in Paris for a couple of uh, years, circa 2007, and Paris Saint-Germain was obviously the, the team in Paris, mm. but it was a it was a nothing team. Mm. You know, I used to, you know, go occasionally, you know, you go to a French Cup game midweek, it's just like watching the championship team, they, they were kind of doing nothing mm. upper mid-table. But the bottom line was, this is Paris, for God's sake. Uh, this is one of the major cities, most high-profile cities in the world. And if you get, and you know, France has you know, won the World Cup recently. It's now won it twice. If you get it right, you get it right. And yeah. it just needed marketing, hype. First of all, you need the investment. Then you get the, you know, the big names in. Then you can market off the back of that. And, you know, it hasn't taken very long at all. And Paris Saint-Germain now, uh, they're dropping 100 million on players and you know silly money so these things can be transformed i mean just look over across the pond at you know los angeles fc which in its inaugural year and you know kind of technically came out the ashes of uh is it shivas the the defunct uh msl franchise which died in 2014 but you know there's some fan groups that have grown out of the ashes for that but other fan groups have just come you know from from the fresh and they they sold out their maximum uh, allocation of season tickets for their inaugural season they'd never played a game they didn't have didn't have, have a stadium built and they got 17 and a half thousand season tickets in every game they sell out you know their 22,000 stadium that's from scratch, and I think Villa are around twenty thousand season tickets this season. Uh, if you get it right, 
and Birmingham, let's say it's on the up, which it is. is I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in the next five years from uh, HS2 links to Commonwealth Games. If you get it right, of course you can build, you know, something that's going to... Uh, and they've lowballed Tony. Tony's on his knees. He yeah. was, you know, he was desperate for somebody to come in. And that's how they got this deal. Because it was open market, a normal sell-off. These guys would have probably looked at it and thought, mm, no. But this, the reason why it's happened so quickly is because if they wanted to buy outright, then there's a you know there's a few more checks it would be uh, they'll be doing a little bit more due diligence and it would take a bit more time and we didn't you know we didn't have the time so uh that's why they've come in and and you know there's a, there's a lot of talk about this two stage transitional deal where initially they come in and and I think it's like their safety valve it's like well if they don't rate this Dr Tony chap and based on the evidence of what he's done so far with his gamble that didn't pay off they can obviously uh get rid of him but if he proves to be actually a decent uh, trading partner and there's some alignment with what he's doing in China. It, it could create a situation. I mean, there's a problem with when you've got too many people involved as owners, there's, there's always this tendency for people to fall out and egos get in the way. And, um, you know, we've already mentioned what we've thought about Dr. Tony's ego. I mean, you've got the club also in the marketing department, you know, putting him on like the you know the social media header covers as if he's like some kind of Stalin-esque uh, statue or something <laughs> and then you've got somebody putting a Chinese flag on the top of Villa Park when he buys the club I mean I don't remember Stars and Stripes by Randy Lerner when he bought That's the club <laughs> if I was a multimillionaire and I'd bought let's say a friend uh let's say I bought Leon because I, I like the French lifestyle so I went so I bought Leon I don't think I'd be putting a Union Jack on the top of the stadium. <laughs> it wouldn't. <laughs> How well received that would be, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have even been in my thought process. No, and uh, if it works out swimmingly, and these investors coming in have this, you know, potential to do something in China as well, and you know, it, it suddenly gets interested in the possibilities if uh, it all sinks. In terms of who we could have had, like when Doctor Tony came in and you started sniffing around, and then you, you mm. saw Chris Samuel and there, mm-hmm. there was red flags being waved there. Mm-hmm. In this case, you think, well, these guys are legit. Well, they're legitimate, verifiable businessmen, aren't they? And-, and the only doubt is, as I've just said, is how this the three of them, the, these three sectors actually fuse together and work. I mean, that's the only grey areas, really. It's, it's, it's grey in the sense that, I, I mean, I noticed that the Dr. Tony become, I think, a co-chairman, I think, on the... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all very interesting because I think that he can he can be what he wants to be, ultimately, that he's, he's now got two people in the club who hold the majority stake, which means they hold the majority decisions yeah. on anything that, that happens. Uh, and so it'd be very interesting to see... I mean, they'll have done what whatever due diligence they could have done, but now, you know, the new guys are presumably looking over the work and his approach and how the club finds itself where it is. That can't that can't end favourably, I don't think, um, yeah. unless there's something behind the scenes so glaring that, you know, it would have to come out, I think, to, to reassure us that, that, you know, I have serious reservations about Dr Tony's ability to, to lead our football club. Um, I, I know very little, and I know as much as everyone else does perhaps about, about the two people who've come in, but they're verifiable figures who you can, you know, we can take the time to look over and mull and, and, and draw an opinion on. Again, it's it's how the dynamic sets up. I mean, are they, mm. maybe they're going to sit back and let him run the face of it, but I, I can't 
really see that if they're I taking 55 percent. Okay. i mean you look at the the books the milwaukee books the basketball team where there's a similar three i mean i'm generalizing here but there's a it's a three-way ownership system isn't it three-way basically? ownership and i think they have it's almost like each of them uh, take it in turns to play let's say prime minister and i think it's like mm-hmm. a five-year period so i don't know who's going to be the top dog so maybe that will come out obviously in the next f- few days or weeks how the dynamic how the structure is going going to actually sit because that will go a long way to yeah. informing us whether this, you know, whether the feeling is that this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a success uh, or not, or if it's just going to be another chapter in the uh, the well documented Aston Villa circus. But in terms of the books, I mean, when we've spoken to uh, a fan and also uh, Chris Chris Bird has uh, spoken to one of the books fan groups. And as well as, you know, talking about uh, this kind of unique ownership group and governance kind of setup where they rule by consensus. One thing that Eden has done is kind of regenerate uh, part of, let's say, Milwaukee. And I think there was some uh, conjecture on general management appointments and uh, so forth. But uh, in terms of revitalizing it as a franchise, and if they start to look at Aston Villa as as a franchise... Uh, I think he's doubled the value of the bucks. So mm. this is mainly like kind of off field. And as we, as we, you know, as we've hinted at, there's a lot of potential of, of Aston Villa and the size of it. And if it really, you know, wants to stamp its authority on the area, the West Midlands area, they can do that because they have the history to pump out. Because the good thing about history and European Cup wins, it gives you uh, a starting point to build something big and it's already big and we have the stadium and the gravitas but we're never we're a bit limp-wristed when it comes to uh, expanding on that i mean you win the european cup you hope you'd start to build a legacy uh. what, what i always think back to and i've mentioned it a couple of times since we've been doing this is that it was one thing i did agree with tom fox on when he was uh, the ceo and alerno is that he always used to say that villa villa acted big and it's how it outwardly wanted to project itself as a football club but when you really looked at it, it behaved parochially. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and I always thought that was so very true. And it was the kind of thing that so many teams, so many teams craved wanting to win the European Cup. You know, something that hasn't happened in most Villa fans' lifetimes. Yeah. You know, and it was something that we made nothing of. You know, no other football yeah. team in the area, let alone nationally, really could could have held that up as something that they'd achieved. And we barely mentioned it. And, yeah. and, and we, we make little of it now. And I think that this is one of the things you look at the Milwaukee books and just having had a you know a passing interest over the last couple of days in them. You know, you mentioned that he's doubled them inside. He's took them from a half a half a billion pound outfit, which is a lot anyway, you know, shows you the power of American sport and endorsements and everything, to over a billion dollars. You know, and that's yeah. what it does, it gives you leverage in a sport and they've gone from I think quite a parochial team that was underachieving to a team that's at least qualifying for the playoffs within their sport. So that you know, they're not achieving but they're making yeah. progress, and I think it's by degrees, isn't it, that I would view Villa, you know, getting out of the Championship and and back into the Premier League. I wouldn't expect us to win the Premier League, you know. It's it's degrees, isn't it, you know? But what I wouldn't yeah. expect us to do is stop acting so. I don't know. Tim Potts is is how the last six months have gone, really. That I mean, my old man started because wanted to also, you know, keep supporters front and central, and you know, mm. beholden to the traditions of football and what uh, why you like football. We're about to. I think if this goes successfully, we will take that the final step into modern the modern day football age where yeah. Arsenal have already been waiting and Manchester City, where it is modern day football and you can hate modern day football, but it's what it is. We, it will be like a bit more of an American flavour where it is like franchises and it's all about business. 
and how much you can get per head off your fans uh, into into your bank account. And that's what it will become. And all supporters will be kind of equal, whether you're watching it, you know, Villa from Japan, China, Kenya, Canada. And, you know, the guy that travels home and away to every game, it won't mean jack squat. He'll almost be like part of the marketing, really. The loyal fan, when the main concern will be uh, the global audience and making as much on merchandise and getting it out there and endorsements, etc., which you've just got to kind of shrug your shoulders and, and let it go. I mean, if you have a certain age and you've seen mm. Villa Glory Days uh, in a, let's say, pure reform, then it was a good time to be alive. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's not something I get so hung up on. I mean, I know it, I know it's really important to some. I have to say that I've never particularly found. I mean, despite Villa being, in my view, a big club and we've got a strong fan base, I, I don't think the club's ever really recognised the fans on an individual basis. I don't think we've got a lot. There's not a lot of goodwill to be lost there, in my view. From from yeah, you know. I mean you, the, that away season ticket scheme uh, kind of showed how much really though. I mean, we you set up consultation groups, uh, general ones, and also one specifically for away fans and away ticketing, and they're not even consulted. Uh, and when the head of ticketing puts out a PR interview to explain, it actually says that after after consultation with the away ticket group, well, it was never mentioned at all. It's it's a bit of a sore point because you think, well, are we just ticking boxes having these meetings? Or mm. I mean, I've you know I found them uh, very constructive because you can actually hear from the horse's mouth is what is happening and you can challenge things and you know things have happened because of what we've said and on the away ticket front you know we chose games for supporters to get rebates on and to make tickets cheaper because it was an away day fund so you know you were you were kind of actively involved and it's not like i want to be actively involved it's just well here's an opportunity really for the club to uh, a forge a better relationship but also take advantage of minds a, of people that know their club better than people who are just there for a job, who some support other teams, whatever, it doesn't really matter, but a lot of them aren't really football, football fans. It's just like, you know, they wanted to do marketing and, oh, football's sexy, you get free trips here and there, and, you know, that's it. It's, it's a job, job. But there's a potential for Villa to shake off this kind of old old way of looking at things, which has hem- hampered it. And it's kind of, I mean, and it's also, you know, Birmingham. Birmingham never likes to big itself up. No. Uh, I mean, somebody who was telling me the other day, it's, it's like comparison to Manchester, like in terms of what is the second city, Manchester is only a few thousand more in size bigger than Coventry. If you look up, if you Google biggest cities in England, Manchester's like in the 20th something. Oh, yeah, it's not a big place. It's not a big place at all. I never thought that because I thought, well, it's got to be like, you know, in the top five just because it always claims to be the second city and it has this bravado. But as somebody said to me, he said, you you can put two Brummies in the greatest place in the world, like the most beautiful place, and they'll moan about something (laughs) and they'll they'll tell you that it's, uh, it's like horrible and it's a terrible place and, you know, they'll pick something to moan about. You can take two Manx and put them in a cesspit in Manchester and they'll tell you that that's the best place on earth and that's the, that's the kind of difference in in mentality and that kind of seeps into the club a bit and it, they you know they obviously can't bang the drum too much when you're in the championship but once they get back on their feet again in my time Villa were bigger than Arsenal they were bigger than Chelsea they were bigger than Manchester City and and uh, everything's totally changed the whole landscape's completely changed <laughs> 
but it does prove the point that it can. It, it's not a. It's not a fixed landscape, and you, you know the teams can break into that. I think the, the upper echelons are. That, that I think that's a different ball game altogether. But yeah, I think that you know you, you mentioned a few teams there. I mean Chelsea. You know, my, in our lifetime, have gone from being a, you know not one of the powerhouses at all. You know, I can remember them coming to Villa Park, and they'd hardly bring anyone. You know, Stamford Bridge was you know, not a well attended stadium. It just shows you what can happen with the right investments and the right vision. Yeah, they were just a 70s memory. Mm. Just another anecdote on this, uh, the Second City thing, uh, in terms of attitude. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, uh, after I told them about Brummies standing in like the greatest place uh, in Birmingham, would say it's a shithole or find some reason to moan about it. If you ask a, a Liverpudian or a Scouser what the Second City in England is, what would they answer? Well, not Manchester, I wouldn't have thought. They say Birmingham. No, they say London. <laughs> you know, that's like the different, you know, mindsets at play here. And, and, and Villa, there is a potential to become something. But the problem is, is we've got to get back in the Premier League because you're in a situation where here the Villa owner has just given away 55% of the club for a figure of, let's say, 35 million. Meanwhile, you're reading the paper and Watford are allegedly going to spend 50 million on a player mm. and you're thinking well they could just buy a 55 percent control in share in villa and, and use us as a feeding club it's but that's scary. that's how that's how quickly the plates are shifting i think it was the same article i was reading so i think it was one of the or what i would still consider to be broadsheets it did make the point that i think neither of those players that they're looking at in the 50 million bracket had made a single appearance at international level for and the point it was yeah. making was that they, they weren't anything other than is it wrong to say run-of-the-mill players? But I don't think they were... We're not talking players that have just won the World Cup or European Cups or anything like that. They were, they were just players. Liverpool drop in you know, almost 70 million on a goalkeeper. It's remarkable, isn't it? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Speaking of money on players, uh, Mm. question from Kieran D15. Do you think the recent investment means we can afford to keep Grealish? Uh, Also, Ryan Hughes, 14. Tyra Stewart said, uh, will we need to sell star players? Strictly Sports History says, how close are Spurs to signing Grealish? Um, These questions are obviously all... uh, can be answered uh, in in one swoop. Oh, uh, sorry, Ben Early also says, do you think realistically we have a chance of keeping hold of Grealish? And then TR Taylor's 12 says, is Grealish worth 40 million? Well, it casts your mind back uh, a week, two weeks, and you've got... You look on social media and, and Villa fans are quite happily waving goodbye to Grealish. Yep. Then you've got all these articles because Spurs are allegedly uh, number one in pursuit of him. And the news is Spurs are going uh, on a US tour to 
play the likes of, I don't know, Barcelona, AC Milan, uh, somebody else in some tournament while we're playing Burton for the uh, Basfars uh, trophy. Current holders, current holders. And then you've got articles, people saying, oh, we've probably seen uh, Grealish play at his last game against Warsaw. And it's, I mean, it's obviously clickbaits and it's like nobody's got any personal integrity now. They're not actually writing what the truth they might think and might what happened i mean i wrote one article thinking if spurs are interested how is this going to play out and you just think about it as we were saying about patrons we're trying to do something to make well, when people read it they actually think about things it's more like a conversation in the pub isn't it like yeah, you know yeah. and then you've got you know people like villa fan collymore tweeting away saying uh, good luck play for england blah 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 and it's like hang on a minute are we are we all fans of jack Grealish? are we supporting aston villa now and let's not forget jack Grealish is an aston villa fan mm. if Grealish is sitting there and he's actually torn down the middle and it and it is actually Let's say hypothetically whether this is the truth or not. Grealish has final say and he's he's having sleepless nights. He can't decide. He's 50-50. And he, he twigs on social media and, and he just sees Villa fans saying, see you later, good luck. You know, we don't, you know, you don't owe us anything. Goodbye, blah, blah, blah. And let's predispose here that Jack Grealish potentially is important to Villa's, let's say, midterm, short-term and midterm future. If you If you were at the Wembley Stadium... There was only one thing yeah. that kind of gave you any sense of hope, and that was when Jack Grealish got the ball against yep. Fulham. Without a doubt. So, based just on that, you're thinking if we're going to get out of this godforsaken league, Grealish might be, uh, let's say, one of the keys to it. So, if you want the best for Villa, you're thinking, well, we need to keep Jack. And I'm writing an article about this MacGuffin. Do you know what a MacGuffin is? No. It's a device in film where it's like the Ark in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the mm. briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It's the uh, the Death Star plans in Star Wars. It's Rosebud in Citizen Kane. It's the Tesseract in the Avengers. It's something that isn't really explained or you don't really see mm. it much, but it's what the, what drives everything, uh, the narrative. And often it isn't, you know, it doesn't have much explanation. And this is what financial fair players come. It's something the manager mentions. It's something... The owner mentions, it's what fans mention, it's what journalists write about, and it's the context that shapes and frames what Aston Villa can do and, and have to do. And nobody really, you know, we don't have access to the accounts, so we don't know if we're going to have what we actually have to do to meet financial fair play. Everybody's, it's all speculation, and but it's driving the narrative. Now, if I, I'm looking at how do Villa get out of financial hole? Well, the shortcut is you get promoted, and that solves a lot of shit. So... How do Villa get promoted? Well, by having the best players and, and trying to keep their best players. You've got to keep your best players, and you do that by hook or crook, you hustle. And if Spurs were are the team leading this, Daniel Levy is obviously going to lowball us, and he's in no rush. And when you lowball somebody, you, you're basically squeezing their nuts and putting a slow, uh, low offer in. Yeah. Now, Grealish is not vital to the Spurs' first 11. Nope. He's not going to walk into that nope. first 11. Spurs have not identified him as the man that could lead them to Champions League glory. He's 22. He's there to add to the squad. And, and this is why I don't understand why, you know, if you're a football journalist, why don't you think about these things? Why don't you just look at it in context? They want to lowball Villa. They want to get him for cheap as possible. The only the only reason they're interested in Grealish is because there's a potential bargain to be had here, and he's the style of player that could potentially fit into uh, the way they play. If he was like vital to their first eleven, he's going to make a difference. Then yeah, you want to get him in there to bed him in as quickly as possible. 
So they'll wait till deadline day. And we don't actually have to sell Grealish. We're not going to get put into administration or anything because of financial fair play. If we, We've got until January window. If, you know, if you want to really drop your pants and start selling players, we've got time here. These lily-livered people trying to ship him out on social media, whatever, they'd have already lost him last week. But now suddenly we've got this investment in and suddenly you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, it's a little flicker of light here. Yes, we'll probably have to sell a few players, but just maybe. Do you think uh, Wes Edens is thinking, well, uh, you know, he may have said, well, let's keep Grealish. I I, I don't think it's too complicated. I, I think Spurs, as you say, perhaps, as I'm sure many other clubs will be keeping a watching brief, probably... You know, probably for exactly the kind of situation that's developing, you know, because they know that Villa will have been scrabbling around for investment. The huge kicker is, does G- does Grealish want to spend another season in the Championship now? Yeah. I think that's the huge driver. Does does he want to spend another season where I think he's in, he's in that upward, trend, upward trajectory in terms of his development phase now? Will he get game time in the Premier League? So I think it needs to be the right team. I think a team, team like Spurs are very good. But are you going to develop there? Are you going to be on the fringes of the first team? Are you going to be a squad player? Who knows? The other part of yeah. it is, from from the new investment point of view, this could be an immediate and massive PR win within a days of arriving. You know, you want to avoid the Delft situation where one minute you're announcing he's staying and then, you know, like yeah. you say, deadline day is off. And that's where I think you need to get the buy-in from Grealish. Um, yeah. But you, you might get six months out of him. You might get a season out of him. And I think that that's when it's a bit embarrassing seeing the, as you say, some of the stuff on social media, almost like willing him out of the club to try and fill this black hole when he's not the only option and, and circumstances have changed. What Colin Moore had said, puts out this tweet about Grealish. And I'm and I'm just saying, you know, I, I can't understand why fans, you know, and I consider him a fan of Aston Villa because mm. he is, are so willingly trying to get rid of a player that, Maybe having it, you know, once if he saw all these things, he goes, Oh, great. Uh, Colin, Moore, maybe he thinks Colin Moore knows what he's talking about. He goes, Well, Colin Moore's telling me to go here. Well, think about it this way if, if you want, if he has to go off pure financial terms, he, he has to go. But on the other side of it, given that we want to get back into the Premier League, what our aim is and what the cost of that is and what the cost of not achieving that is, what is a Grealish, assuming he wants to stay and we're possibly forcing him out the door? Think about that for a second. You don't get much loyalty in football anymore. But the other thing yeah. is, how much does a Grealish cost to replace? You know, we've gone out into the transfer market in the Championship. We've bought Hurahans, we've bought Lansbury's, we've bought insert player here. Grealish is a, you know, I think even even before last season, we said it was a make or break season in terms of how he could contribute to the team and how he would develop. Yeah, He's something special potentially, something very special. We, ultimately, we may not be able to hold on to anyway. But at this juncture, we we can. He stepped up to the plate last season. Yeah. I mean, he unfortunately yeah. got injured uh, with mm-hmm. the freakish kidney yeah, injury. Kidneys. But when he came back, he was better than you expected, in, especially yeah. in terms of his all-round play. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. If we got promoted next season with him, and then we're in the Premier League, he's going to be you know happy enough playing for his his uh, main boys, Villa, and he's going to be pay- getting paid a lot more, and you know sign a new contract, boost his wages, happy days. But then, if he performs, breaks into the England squad through what he's doing at Villa, but sees that, yeah, well, I actually want some silverware and I want to win Mm, some stuff, mm. and and Villa haven't kicked on, then you're going to have Spurs, if they're still in their position, uh, knocking on the door, and they're going to be offering a lot more than 20 million if Watford are buying uh, bums for like 50 million. And I say bums, I don't even know who they're, who, who they're buying. But uh, as you said, you explained to me that they're kind of run-of-the-mill players that aren't even internationals yet. 
we will we will make potentially more from Grealish in a in a few years time, a few seasons time than we'll make now. But also, if we still got him now, we got that potential to get to the point where we can make more money out of him and obviously, you know, get promoted on the offset. I mean, when you got people telling you that players should go and then I watched an interview Colin Moore did in uh, in the World Cup for a Polish channel yeah. and he's talking about transfer fees and how he was I think when Liverpool bought him or like a record fee 8 million or something and he said yeah you know nowadays it's all changed Villa bought two players for 15 million each Conor Horahan and uh, somebody else Villa bought I think um, two players my club, um, Conor Hurahan and uh, one of the other players, 15 million each. That's, that, those are two players that have never played in the Premier League that had half a good season each in the Championship. Uh, newsflash, first of all, Villa haven't bought anybody for 15 million. No. Conor Hurahan was uh, closer to 3 million and uh, you couldn't even remember the other player. So this is somebody who finger isn't really on the pulse in terms of Villa that in an interview he can't come up with names and he's and he's basically telling players to leave for the you know for the good of the player I mean what about the club that you support and he unfollowed me for just retweeting which is like come on we're all allowed an opinion this it wasn't even insulting him or saying anything about him per se I'm just saying I don't like it when fans are trying to get David, rid of your David, players David you're talking with someone who can't even see him on Twitter so oh, you, you're one of the uh the many. <laughs> I, I used to be a member of that club. Then he unblocked me, uh, and I, there wasn't a, even a reason. I was. I think I was just on a, th- a thread, and he just blocked everybody. You know, but uh, Colin was. You know, it's, he's just somebody else on Twitter, really. And uh, unfortunately, because you know he, his heart's in the right place. But anyway, will Grealish stay? Is that a question? The sense, chances of keeping hold of Grealish. Well, uh, you know, we've alluded that there is a possibility here now, and we'll we'll learn more almost every day, and uh, especially we'll learn more next week. I don't think Grealish will be the first to go. If he is the first to go, it's not going to really give us a big uh, boost going into uh, the new season. As you said, it would be a great statement of intent by the new owners that. Uh, Jack, we're going to build the franchise around you, boy. That would be nice. He would be our quarterback, our franchise uh, star. He would. He's definitely got quarterback hair. We could get him a, <laughs> some ridiculous shoulder pads, stick, you know, those stick oversized. Stick a helmet on that hair. I mean, one of the other questions is is uh, from an active Lou, active Lou 7, was who, the, who your favourite player is. I mean, Chester is my favourite player, I think, and I, I'd be really sorry to see him go, and even more sorry to see him go perhaps for £10 million to another championship team, which I think is the suggestion. Stoke, isn't it, who are heavily yeah. linked with Chester? I, I, just, I just find that a bit of a... That's like the Johnson scenario all over yeah. again. It's like when Sam Johnson, uh, as we've always maintained, Villa needed to get promoted to retain his services, but you thought if they didn't get promoted, he would be snapped up by a Premier League club because, you know, bar distribution... He's, I think he's sound, sound as a pound. So true. And then, I mean, I, I, I was away. And then when I, so obviously not following proceedings uh, with an eagle eye, but then when I, I think I stumbled on his Twitter account or whatever, and I saw him holding up a West Brom shirt and you just think that's some kind of Photoshop job. Mm-hmm. And then he's, then you realize that he's actually gone to West Brom and you go, this, this is like, even if we lost Grealish in that week, you'd think, well, okay, it's expected, uh, if you don't get promoted and play in the top league, you're going to lose your best players. But if I told you, actually, I've looked at my crystal ball and Sam Johnson's playing in the championship next season, you would say, oh, shit, Villa managed to hold on to him. 
Yeah, well, that's the. I mean, there's another question just linking into to that was as we're talking to from George Jevons, eighty six on on goalkeeper question mark. I find it baffling that you know it shows how I think how dire our financial state must have been that we had. You know, we're now left with Jed Steer, who by all accounts is a decent goalkeeper, but chronically injury yeah. prone. Mark Bunn it must be on a month to month contract. I mean, we'd have because it did expire, I yeah. think, in June. And we had Johnston at the club, who I think had developed quite well at, at his time at the club. Yeah, too. looked a natural number one, and we've let him go to a, a local championship rival. It's just, I mean, baffling. and the only person who won out of that deal is Manchester United because I think that the last yeah. season at Villa probably doubled his value because we're always talking about oh. buying him for like three million. But I think he's gone for about is it about six? Yeah, million yeah, no, that's what I'm like saying. He's that's an absolute steal for a goalkeeper of his. Age. In his in the shape he's in, but I think that that underlines these are the things that can get lost in the the swill of news, if you like. That that's one of T- Doctor Tony's that underlines how bad the decisions last season and before it were that we didn't have one. We didn't manage to get up, and there's some blame. There's other blame to other people yeah. there, but that we we didn't have the liquidity in the club to secure a signing like Johnston. Yeah. It, it will cost us more than that to replace him, and we're essentially starting from from scratch. I'd be I'd be surprised if Jed Steer was the number one going into the new season, and I'd be concerned as well because of his injury proneness. The backup's not Mark Burn. I've always said he's he's me. he's a third choice keeper. It's nothing personal, no. is it? I just think that I, I, we've seen enough. We've seen enough yeah. of him. It's actually quite worrying because for so long we haven't had a good goalkeeper at Villa, and we seem to yeah. have one. And we've let him slip and away. He's signed a long-term contract as well, and uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I grew up with Nigel Spinks, and I always loved Spinks and Bosnick, and so it was always important to me for Villa to have a good keeper. Which, and it was almost mm. like somebody was pissing on me when we had like Guzan in there, and Ugh. even like Tommy Sorensen wasn't like he was a he was a five or six out of ten keeper. Sorensen wasn't he? You couldn't sleep. You couldn't have a comfortable night's sleep with Sorensen in goal. Schmeichel was past his sell-by date, but still, you know, Friedel was actually, Friedel was, to me, he was like, he was good, but he was just, he wasn't like, he's, he wasn't like a Villa keeper, he, just, he wasn't exciting, it, it's kind of like, well, he's Blackburn and... But he was also another who was past his sell-by date, wasn't he, you know, when he arrived at Villa Park, he was... You say that, Dan, but he managed to uh, carry on another 18 years at Spurs after he left us. (laughs) (laughs) We we, we thought, yeah, well done. Uh, Was it O'Neill who had to ship him out? I can't remember the season he left. But you're thinking, yeah, well, he's like, what is he now? 49, it's over for Friedel. And then he's he's playing first team for Spurs. and, And they buy Loris and... They had, they wait they waited just out of respect for Friedel because he to beat some kind of to pass away <laughs> <laughs> no to beat some kind of Premier League record or something I can't remember some appearance record but uh, but yeah he he basically got a couple more seasons where we were fanning around with the, you know who was was it it was Guzan wasn't it we were fanning around with probably yeah probably yeah uh, have we wrapped up on the Grealish sorry J R Taylor says. Is Grealish worth forty million? I think no. at the moment he hasn't really done anything to justify that. With Grealish, is still it's all down to what's what might be and its potential. And it, uh, but as I said earlier on, if Grealish has the potential to be worth forty million, if he stays at Villa, we get promoted because he he will help us do that, and then he becomes an England international. But he's also 
because of his home homegrown nature of, and we're talking about this word giving villa an identity uh, we're using that word because uh, the last two words that we used the villa engine were were just mythical bullshit basically from steve square sorry steve <laughs> round and it was steve steve square talked a good uh, fight but talk is talk we've heard so much talk at villa we've heard talk from winus we've heard talk from dr tony of unicorns and rainbows <laughs> and you know champions league year after year and biggest club in the world uh, i mean we started off the, the last show uh, with his f- you know first official club interview and it was it was a farce at the time when you listened to it. I mean, anybody with half a brain, because obviously there's some people who lap up any old shit. And then uh, in retrospect, when you listen back to it, it just sounds like a, it's like a slapstick comedy sketch. It, yeah, it's like a dark satire. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But with Grealish, you've got that kind of potential of spin-off in merchandise and you know, players like him make people buy season tickets as well. And so Villa can make a lot more money out of him by keeping him tooth and nail. And then if he blossoms, then, you know, the signs are, I mean, he's still 22, he's still learning. And uh, he's got, you know, definitely he can do things that other players can't do. And if he becomes the player that we all hope he would do, and and I think the evidence of last season was was a great, you know, two thumbs up to that potential, Mm. then Mm. he's going to be worth a lot more than 40 million to Villa, you know, in in the even short, medium term. But now I don't I don't think he's worth that. Although you know when you're talking about Watford, uh, what going in with it for those bums for fifty million? I I I think I've been watching too many Tyson Fury uh, interviews and press conferences where he just refers to everybody as bums. No, I don't think that's inappropriate at the moment with Villa. To be honest, it's a good word to have in the vocab. Somebody's uh, asked the question, and we can tie it up here. When is uh, Mikael Richards' contract up? Not till next year. The leech. Maybe. But the thing, I mean, the word on the street with Mikael Richards is, remember when he joined and we were thinking, oh, he can sell, solve our right-back issues. And uh, it was like, oh, no, Richards has only come because he wants to play centre-back. You know, he's uh, he doesn't want to play right-back anymore. Then this problem with his knees uh, came up. Well, the word on the street is the knees are one of the problems that holds him back now and he can't really play two games in a week. I mean, you know, maybe they should have really uh, checked this when they bought him. Uh, I think they just, yeah, you know, done a medical. They were thinking, "Happy days, here's a freebie," and he's won the league title, Premier League title before. There was a reason he was on a free. I don't know what Rich- Richard's future is, uh, and I think it's he wouldn't have played football for a very long time if he sits it out uh, until the end of next season. I think it will be at least two seasons. He won't have. Played, yeah, if and I think play. you know he's retiring uh, at the end of this because if if he has a knee issue, uh, no one's going to pick no, him exactly. up. Exactly, but if it's like one of these, you know, Paul McGrath had a problem, but he kind of manned up and got through it. But if he, he fit enough to play a game at least, and at least Villa are scrambling around, and you need four centre backs, uh, you just need four centre backs. The fourth centre backs rarely playing he's just filling in uh, for injuries so I mean surely you know you could have a role there just to save us some quids and uh, obviously have some use so that that would be the Richard scenario I I can't see him going anywhere rumors of a knee injury which uh, hampers uh, anybody buying him certainly top level I think his days are numbered there uh, but obviously, at least his wage reduced uh, when we got relegated. Uh, right, let's go on to another question. Uh... I want the one from 1CKVFJTV. Who do you reckon has the biggest nutsack in the dressing room? David, David, you go first. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Let's no. get back to that one in a minute. I need to warm up for that one. Shane Face number 33 says, can we possibly get promoted this year? Mate, we're a championship side now. Promotion is, is but a distant dream. You shouldn't. What I mean, what, e- what even is promotion? I don't, Pray tell. Yeah. No. No, some, somebody DM me on Facebook you know, saying the same thing. Can we make the top six? The squad we have now, as I said to him, the squad we have now, yes, sir, we, we certainly can. Obviously, we have to play the right way. Uh, a lot of it's down to the, you know, the manager's thinking. But, you know, they'd say, ask me at the end of the window, because it depends on uh, if suddenly Chester and Grealish are taken off the board, it's a different mm-hmm. proposition. I think the investment obviously gives us a much better chance because, you know, we're not uh, on our knees anymore. The next couple of weeks are actually quite quite important aren't they because there's, yeah. there's some statements that can be made there through who we you know who we managed to hold on to um i stand by what i say that you know it's not just grealish it's it's players like chester you know because if if you let them go assuming that then you know assuming that you know, maybe some of them do want to go you don't yeah. know what what the situations always are these players are so hard to replace yeah. and as we've, as we've seen with a lot of players over the years but particularly last year and in in the uh, in Bruce's first season, some te- some players take so long to acclimatise, or you know, that for us to work out, you know, where do they fit in our system, and um... and I think this is why Bruce is playing predominantly his strongest available eleven for these pre-season yeah. games, just to try to shape it. So there's no, you know, we could experiment, change the formations, whatever. Oh, it's just for fitness. It doesn't matter. But he wants, he's going to, you know, he's banking on basically having a unit together to start straight off the bat as soon as the the season kicks off. So there's no warming up period. And, you know, we've made that mistake before. Like with Sherwood, when he started the season in charge and the season Mm -hmm. kicked off with that, Mm -hmm. you know, the team Mm -hmm. putting it together, uh, you know, day by day, you just thought, oh, mate, we need three more weeks at least of pre-season. Yeah, it it always looked like that, didn't it? We needed three or four extra games because, we, you know, these players don't even know that each of us names. Never Mm -hmm. mind, uh, you know, know how they play together. Robin M 37 says, who's now our best player? Lansbury, isn't it? Are we we parking Grealish? Uh, No, sorry, I was was joking about Lansbury. It's Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is how you find out who's the best player. You just go through the list of players, and if when you read their name out, it doesn't provoke you to laugh, then they're a contender. <laughs> Excluding Grealish, who's who's now our best player? Well, if you took him out of the picture, you would say a toss-up between <laughs> chess... Ch- they don't jump out. <laughs> no, you have to extract them out. <laughs> Extract them slowly. James Chester, Albert Domar. <laughs> I'm sure there's listeners out there currently screaming. No, Alan Hutton is going through their brain as we speak. Well, it's not going through my brain. Put it he's that way. He's not our best player, though. Is he? He's our. <laughs> he has so many good values, effort, attitudes. Yes. All the things that you want in every player that you have. Yes, but you want. There's good things about it. He's not our best player. No, he's not the best player. As I said at the start, Henry Lansbury. Neil Taylor, no. What about Conor Horahan? like He has the oh. potential to be yes. the best player. Currently, like Grealish, we've already said, apart from Grealish, but Grealish is, again, future boy. Horahan, mm-hmm. I don't think he bossed it enough last season, as we kept saying. Sometimes he went missing, even though you know he has that cutting edge, which you need as your main man. 
but he just if he was like Grealish was visibly getting stuck in tracking back Hurahan you know was getting blocks in here and there on the you know edge of the box but then suddenly you could watch a game for half an hour and, and think to yourself is is, is Hurahan still there yeah, yeah he has the ability to be quite anonymous doesn't he so he, he, I mean, he has a wide spectrum. He can be the man who score in a worldly against mm-hmm. uh, the Blues or somebody, or uh, you're just thinking, well, you know, where is mm. he? So Henry Lansbury is that the conclusion? It's a toss up between Henry. I mean, on performances last season, you you, you, would, you would toss a coin between Adamar and Chester. I mean, Chester for consistency, and obviously, it's sometimes hard to compare. The people who take the glory by, you know, obviously scoring goals and, you know, the the, the statistic of assists uh, compared to uh, having a decent defender. Gary Gardner. He's back to stake his claim. I mean, he's the up and coming youth player, isn't he, Gary Gardner? <laughs> is that right? Is he, is he in his 30s <laughs> 40, yet? He's 43 now, is he? <laughs> well, he's, he's got, he's got, he's got a couple of kids now since uh, he went out on loans. Because um, you look at Gary Gardner, over you know, what is it six foot? He'd bring height when he used to watch him in the the Villa youth team, and he brings be, disappointment. He'd be <laughs> the most underwhelming footballer, I think. <laughs> brings height, brings the kind disappointment. Of he brings a quiche to a house house party. I brought you this case. When he scored that hat-trick against Ajax in the next gen, it was like a fantastic free kick. I think yeah. it was a header, and then it was, there was kind of a nifty finish. And 15 you, years ago. Or maybe 18 years ago. <laughs> the thing that was missing, and, and a question mark, I've always said this, is this fire in the belly. They just didn't, mm. he, he seemed to be like the good brother. The other brother had Quite a... Passive. Yeah, the other brother had a nasty streak that actually, and combative streak that actually... Yeah, Villa, you know, fans boo him now, but it actually is part of his game that gets him to where he is, and he, you know, he's he, mm. he's kind of useful, and that's what Gary Gardner needs is just you know he needs it's a bit uh, nice, isn't it? Just a bit nice, and that's in this world, Beige. especially in this world, being nice is uh, a good quality to have. But uh, on the football pitch, when he scored against the Blues, you thought, well, here's a chance to kick on, but it was it was almost like yeah. he he'd accomplished his footballing career by scoring that goal. <laughs> anyway, uh, so best player, I would say Grealish, just because we've discluded him from this and. Just based on that Wembley final, that he was the only one who ever looked like he was going to get us out of that game with anything, you know, more than a than a loss. Anyway, moving on. Gareth Hand says AVFC Museum. Dot dot dot. <laughs> will it forever be a pipe dream, or will it one day become a reality? I remember this. There was talk of this uh, a few years ago. Could they put something together that people would pay to go, or do you think it should be a free thing that is part of the match day experience? I think it's one of the, it's that classic we miss a trick thing, isn't yeah. it? Where you could, you know, you've got that shitty shop on the corner of the uh, Holt End, Doug Ellis side of the ground, where you could do something there, you could do something with a Holt pub, yeah. you know, do something anywhere, anywhere there. And I think it, you could capture some of the history. It doesn't all have to be about trophies, you know. You can do lots of quite clever things with media now. With Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You, you know, visual things in you know, like the murals at the back of the whole end and elsewhere in the ground, you can do some quite clever things. Yeah, like virtual reality, like the, the Pokemon game where you could have an app where you know you you hold it up and you see the people meeting un, under the lamp. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to form the of, league and all this kind of stuff. There's loads of things that you could do. The whole Villa thing, the founding of the league, and, and that kind of, uh, I was going to say ancient history, but uh, you know what I mean? It's 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 got real roots of football history about it, and it's it's something we just mention on websites when it, there should be more of a physical manifestation. I mean, that lamp they put up was, let's say it was done on the fucking cheap. I mean, compared well, exactly, the it, McGregor statue stuff. wasn't because that was actually a, a mm. fan initiative. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a long story behind that, but there was that was half Ellis's money. The other half of the money, around thirty-five grand, was Aston Villa Supporters Trust shares that they had uh, in the club, and uh, mm. it's like a gravestone to support a power, really, <laughs> because it's all pumped mm. into that statue. But it's these sort of singular gestures that you could actually combine it into a story and, yeah. and it puts some context on it that, you know, part, especially part of the modern game is that plenty of people will come to Villa Park once. And, yeah. you know, if that's part of it, that you walk away and you've been to a game of football or you've come to Birmingham and you've, you've been to Villa Park, maybe even not, into take, not even taking in a game, but you leave knowing that genuinely that, you know, we we were the, the the founders of the football league. What you know, whatever ground those people were. Whatever ground uh, has right next to it this park with you know the beautiful Aston Hall, which is intrinsically linked into the history of mm-hmm. Aston Villa. Now I'm sure there's a lot the Holt, of fa- the Holt family, the Holt family indeed. And I'm sure there's Villa fans who I'm I'm sure there's season ticket holders even that haven't stepped in Aston Hall, and it's. You know, it's it it is the fabric of Aston Villa, and I, you know, at a fan consultation group meeting, I've, I've spoken about this about doing more in terms of the history, and and Aston's known as a dump, and, mm. and people shrug their shoulders, but Aston Hall is far from a dump. Other people utilize it in other ways, and you just think that should be brought more into the uh, into the fray, and there should be a bit more of a closer relationship. And I think it's a big mistrick uh, amongst the other mistricks that you've kind of said. So uh, you could even have the Aston Villa Museum as a wing off Aston Hall, mm-hmm. which would uh, attract more people to Aston Hall as well. So it's kind of a win-win. And it wouldn't be token either. It's not like we're a football club that hasn't got the history. The two no. marry up quite well. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it becomes more of an attraction rather than a clunky, clunky lamp stuck out the front of the Holt Suite. And then another exhibit you could have, you could have like the Chinese flag that used to be on top of the stadium. <laughs> when uh, Dr. <laughs> Tony used to be involved with the club. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you can keep going and going and going. Anyway, DG Dawkins asks, favourite dinosaur, not Deadly D. Agbonlosaurus Rex. Which, according to uh, scientists, was actually extinct. I think it was around circa 2009. And yes, when you uh, should exhume him. There were sightings of him after that, but uh, whether they're the real thing or not, nobody can prove it. Yes. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody can prove it. Real dinosaur. I used to like the Triceratops as a kid. I used to collect dinosaurs as a kid. I had a big collection i remember primary school i brought in my collection and it was on show for two weeks so other kids could marvel at my dinosaur collecting ability wow (laughs) there's a bit of background information (laughs) that you didn't really need but uh, this question may be stemming from the fact that i put pictures of um, dippy 
who is I think it's a hundred and twenty year old skeleton recreation of a Diplodocus, which is normally in uh, I think the National Museum in London, mm. but it's now on tour in Birmingham's nice. uh, National Museum. And uh, one of the uh, displays it says Dippy on tour, and I got somebody to change Dippy to Bruce and uh, put it on my Instagram <laughs> as uh, visiting uh, Steve Bruce while he was giving Alan Hutton a new contract. But if you're in town, go to the Birmingham Museum and see Dippy. It's free to go in. This we were a football club that was almost extinct just exactly. a matter of days ago. There's your link. But now we rise again like a phoenix from the flames. Here's a question from Ashtonis. That's his Instagram handle. Will Villa fans ever find peace? No. Never. Peace. Villa fans, I, I, that kind of David O'Leary, oh, Villa fans are fickle. And I was, that's uh, kind of typical Villa fans, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this the, this whole situation uh, has been quite humorous in terms of the, you know, fickleness. What do we do? We just report it and talk about it as it is, like the reality. There's mm. no, like, you know, Dr. Tony, we're not sending him dms and uh, twitter messages calling him tone and uh you know su- <laughs> sucking up to him i mean it's the same people every time as if he ever tweets supporting a club before social media used to be you go to the game talk about it with your mates read about the you know the match report on monday and then that's it and then the, the weekend builds up and then you know you read a few preview things and whatever in the papers and you know that's it now it's like people are consumed daily with it and this is why People are churning out the clickbait, recycling the same stories, seven, eight, nine, ten villa stories a day because people just, it's almost like uh, an addiction. They, they click it, but actually they're just getting the same information time and time again. So that's why people will never be happy. But on terms of this Tony thing, there were people that had been up his rear so high. Oh, it'd be great if you and Keith come down the whole tent and, you know, watch the Villa game from the whole tent and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, and then suddenly the knives are out once he leads us into uh, potential financial oblivion. And then as soon as uh, this deal comes out, it's, oh, no, I always, always trusted in your tone. Great that you know I stayed quiet because I you know always trusted in your tone. It's like I just saw you. I, think, I saw your earlier tweets slagging him off. It's like, come on. Yeah, I think there's there's some Villa fans out there who are desperate for this piece, though, aren't they? I think that they've been in such a we've been in such a vortex for yeah. so many years. On the one hand, I can understand why they will blindly follow anyone. It's got to a Monty Python esque. <laughs> You know, they're just blindly following anyone because it happened as soon as the new investors were new investors were announced, and it was like, "Yay, billionaires! You'll do anyone. Yeah, yeah. What does he do? He 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 sells guns to children. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it could be anyone. And I think if we we just want a fair crack at getting out of this out of this cycle of of doom and gloom that we seem to find ourselves in, and I think to get out of it without embarrassing ourselves would be nice for a change as well. I, I agree. This, I mean, I mentioned David O'Leary, and he, you go back to that period, yeah. and it's kind of nondescript. I mean, we finished sixth uh, once, and you, yeah, I don't know how, by the way. Yeah, no idea. And that was, and that, you know, we were moaning then about O'Leary <laughs> because, I mean, the shift in expectation ambition is uh, yeah. is, is yeah. quite astonishing. But in those days, we we could always, you could always see how we can improve. The whole Ellis thing, uh, where he just didn't want to take that extra step. Uh, you know, we we gambled on promotion uh, last season, mm. and and Ellis very rarely gambled. Mm. And looking back at it now, that was a, almost a peaceful time, <laughs> just like floating well, around, not really uh, aspiring uh, 
for that much but then when Lerner came along and there wasn't that there was this kind of relief from the, let's say the old school fans who had just known this conservatism from Ellis and mm. this was the relief and it's like will we potentially see a villa run at potential peak like you know some of the let's say the big boys are being run and we can be up there because we know potentially in gravitas we can match them i mean if as we've already mentioned if chelsea and manchester city can suddenly become the biggest clubs you know we we had a let's say a higher Mm -hmm. starting point could we see you know villa running at at full steam ahead and then uh, there was a period where you know we were buying players suddenly again like you know your milners Mm. your your ashley youngs your crews and you're thinking well yeah we're you know we're at the top table here Mm -hmm. building a proper team we just kind of fell short by not getting a proper 20 goal striker and and something a bit more dynamic in midfield centrally we the midfield was a little bit too functional we needed somebody alongside barry that kind of pushed the envelope a little bit and then ever since that downfall it went sour it has just become uh, like an ongoing nightmare and it gets worse and worse and you think well this is we've hit rock bottom now things can only go up and I think I've said that maybe three times in the last few years where you think well at least things can't get any worse yes I mean I think even after the disappointment of the playoff final I don't think anyone saw the tax and financial ruin (laughs) (laughs) on the next page, did they? I mean, that was some plot twist, but even by... (sighs) Like when you have the double twist in... I mean, films, you'd have a twist at the end and you'd be like, oh my God, she's actually a man. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that would be it. And then, you know, it got to invite, let's do the double twist where we twist it, then we twist it again. Well, it came to... It it was just bonkers. You're reading a book and then there's like the big final act and then it ends and you go, oh shit, there's still 15 more pages. (laughs) (laughs) Shit's gonna go down. Some other shit's gonna happen. And uh, yeah, no, that was we said all along it's promotion of failure but we didn't know it was promotion of bust <laughs> death <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah um, yeah there's no peace no peace there's no peace there's definitely no peace so i think has that answered all the questions yes so let's see what happens until next time please do become a patron to keep the show going and uh, make it more frequent and enjoy the rest of your summer and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man said. Right, the big question. I-C-K-V-T-J-T-V handle on Instagram. Who do you reckon has the biggest nutsack in the dressing room? I've given this great thought. Great thought. Who do you reckon, first of all? You can go first. Uh, let me think. <laughs> Bear in mind Samba's no longer at the club because that would have been like a giant <laughs> upside-down hot air balloon, I imagine. <laughs> Who else would be a contender? Yedonek's probably got the hairiest uh, nutsack. Oh, they, oh, goodness, they'd be... Oh, goodness, they'd be bearded bollocks. <laughs> yeah, I'll go, I'll go for the hairy nutsack of Yedonek. Mm, but mm. I... I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Hutton because only because I'd written it down before and, and the description that I've pre-prepared for listeners is, I think they'd be like two massive haggisy stuffed sheep stomachs just hanging slightly above ankle height, swinging. That's probably what interferes with his balance and the precision of his very, passing. Very veiny. I imagine they're very veiny. <laughs> thank God this isn't, anyway. thank God this isn't a visual medium, but, uh, but then again, we are, 
we are playing with listeners' imaginations. And uh, imagine what Bruce's look like. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> In the ice bath afterwards. Oh grief! <laughs> it's a shame Winus is gone. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh dear! Good job he he clarified it and said dressing room rather than the club or else we would have to uh, discuss the nutsacks of uh, Wyness and uh, Steve Bruce. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.